Greetings, Permajam relatives. This is John Lee Rucker, and you're listening to the Permajam podcast. Today I'm here with my brother Alexander Hill, and we're in Venice, California. And uh, Alex is out here building community, working with men in particular, uh, with a community that he's building called the Man Tribe, doing this really, really deep work with men, lifting up the brothers. And uh, I'm really honored and grateful to be sitting in his presence today and um, I'm really grateful to be coming into this work with him and sharing with you this really powerful work. Thank you for being here bro. Before we dive in deep with you I'm just going to say a little prayer that's how we like to begin things here so since we're talking about the men I'll say holy creator bless all the young boys and the adult men and the uncles and the grandpa's creator bless all of the men on the planet and that masculine energy that is within every living thing help the men to come into balance with our feminine nature creator so that we can tap into our divine nature our divine masculine and be the protectors and the providers that we were meant to be to help be arms of justice on this planet help to heal the wounded male ego that is uh, so hurting right now on this planet creator help us to understand what it means to be a man guide us in our path of unity and uniting together help us to uplift one another creator help us have vision for what we can do uh, to help this planet be a better place creator i want to say a prayer for all the men out there that are inflicting harm on this planet or themselves or uh, their families or, or women I want to pray for those men, Creator, that they heal whatever is broken inside of them so that they can become righteous men and do good on this planet, Creator, and inspire others to do the same. Um, I want to just pray for all the men that are walking in a good way, in a humble way, and taking care of this beautiful gift that we've been given, Creator. Bless all of the men at this time, all my relations. Ahu. Uh, so why don't you tell us about what is the Man Tribe? Thank you, John. Just wanted to honor you first and and let you know how grateful I am to to know you as a brother on this path. Man Tribe is, it's the culmination of two questions. And I think you and I can both relate to those questions. What does it mean to be a man? And what does it mean to be in a tribe? And I think both of our journeys have involved uh, being a brother on this tribal path, on this path where we're discovering ourselves and we're discovering things about ancient wisdom, ancient culture, native culture, native wisdom, indigenous culture. I know a lot of that journey has unfolded beautifully for you. I know a lot of the songs that you sing and a lot of the work you do honors those traditions and that's something that we do out here on the west coast too. So it's great to have you out here and you know to to be with you right now and uh from the East Coast to the West Coast, reconnecting like that. So really grateful for you, man. And uh, it's been uh, it's been over a year now. I was actually down in Mexico working with some elders, and I had this vision for bringing men together. And this name Man Tribe just clicked in that vision. And I was like, yeah, simple, pure, you know, just bringing men together in a way that they haven't really come together for most of my life, you know, not so much about watching the big game, not so much about who can drink the most or who can get the most distracted or competing with each other, things like that, just in a new way, you know, in a way where we can just uh, be present with one another. And that's been a journey for me to discover what that looks like. 
and and I learn something new every day about those two questions. What does it mean to be a man, and what does it mean to be in a tribe? So it's it's this beautiful journey I've created for myself and the brothers around me because we're all in this together. And it's not so much about me, this work. It's really about the tribe. And there's something about that that's really, really humbling and really, really powerful. Because it's like, I can pass the mic to you. You can speak at Man Tribe. I can pass the, the mic to my brother Michael. Michael Miller is speaking tonight and singing tonight at Man Tribe. And it's not like I need more of the floor than you guys. And if you guys are coming with good energy, I'll pass you the mic and then you pass it right back. And there can be a bunch of us sharing and a bunch of us speaking, right? So, so it's not this idea of like competition or like, you know, a lot of like out here in LA, there's a lot of, you know, Instagram, like how many followers do you got? How many followers do you got? You know, you got 10 minutes to speak, you better make it good, right? There's, we we kind of want that pressure to just come off and, and we want to come from a place of authenticity amongst one another when we're in our circles and when we're speaking to one another. So it's more about that. It's more about that than it is about, oh, did you hear who so-and-so is in town and, you know, he's speaking tonight? It, you know, we're not about that hype. We're more about the truth and the wisdom and the things that are really going to lift us up, lift each of us up. And any brother can do that if he's speaking from his heart, you know? So, yeah, thank you for asking. Yeah, bro, I really appreciate the question, you know, and it's a question that I definitely ask myself, you know, what does it mean to be uh, a man? <clears throat> and what does it mean to be a man in my relationship to women? You know, I ask that, that question a lot, too. Uh, so just to give you all listening an idea of what's going on right now, I'm out here with my brother. Uh, I got my wife and my daughter, and and um, we're chilling here in, in the home of my brother Alex Alexander here, and uh, we're going to be having a men's circle here tonight. So I'm getting ready to, to, to jump in and dive in with my bro here and, and see what this work is all about. And I'm um, ready to experience this. And I'm really excited to be here. And so, you know, um, it's also really cool because um, the Man Tribe is really in alignment with what Permajam is all about. And our mission statement uh, to discover new and ancient ways of living in, in harmony with each other and the earth. Um, and so tribes, you know, tribalism is a very ancient way of human beings living in harmony together. And then uh, also just want to share with you all that, um, Alexander, you know, you, you got married at Permajam 2017. Um, so that's really special, you know, that we, um, you know, shared this, this really special uh, moment in Alexander's life where he got married at Permajam. And, um, and now we're here, you know, meeting up on the West Coast. So it's really special to make this reconnection again. So Alex, um, you've been making, asking this question, you know, what does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a part of a tribe? And you said that uh, this is something that you, you get new insights into every every day. But what are some of those insights that you've discovered along the way? Yeah, you know, it's like when you ask the right questions, sometimes the answers are infinite. And I'll just start by saying that as men, I've discovered that we really need our space together as men. That's been really powerful for me. Once I've really got real with that and invited that into my life, there have been different parts in my life personally where I've isolated myself because I couldn't connect with the brothers around me. Um, like when I quit drinking, for example, I noticed all of my friends were actually more drinking buddies than actual friends. And I had to kind of isolate myself for a period of time 
and I kind of went into a depression. It was good that I was off alcohol, but there was a camaraderie and there was a brotherhood, even though we were kind of like destroying our bodies and, you know, drinking to oblivion, there was something about being with other men, even though we were doing things that were not necessarily good for us. What I noticed when I was in New York City and I was getting myself out off of alcohol, I discovered a sacred plant that's actually used in tribes in Polynesia, and it's called kava. And there's a kava bar on East 10th Street. I think it's still there. Mm-hmm. I haven't been in a, a year or two. But um, East 10th Street is a cool spot in Manhattan. If you guys are ever down there, there's the Russian bathhouse, which has been there for like eons and then there's a really cool crystal shop and then there's also this kava bar called kava sutra so that became my spot because that was the place where i could be social be in a bar be in a community atmosphere there were men there there were women there and uh there were things to talk about so what i realized was i love social environments i love connecting i love people and i needed that in my life and when i stopped drinking in New York City, there was a little period of depression and social isolation where I had to find a way to get that back into my life. And through drinking kava at a bar and it having a sort of calming sedative effect, I was able to kind of do what I've always done but not harm myself and kind of show up to that plant and show up to all the things that I was putting in my body from that point forward in a more sacred way, whether it was cacao, um, even smoking marijuana or, or tobacco, but just having a conversation with these things that I would put into my body, thinking of them as, you know, as becoming part of me. And, and honoring them, whether they're masculine or feminine in nature, honoring where they come from, honoring their origins, and just uh, just having that kind of respect. Yeah, bro, I, I you know, I've also experienced the kava drink. Uh, it's, it's a really beautiful plant, <clears throat> especially in an environment like New York City, man. The nerves are high, you know, so I'm sure kava is like, can be really helpful with the stress of, of living, you know, in New York City. But yeah, you mentioned earlier, you know, about Instagram. And I think the culture around Instagram is about people presenting themselves in sort of this beautiful and perfect way, you know, wanting people to look at us and think, oh, man, his life is so great. And, uh, you know, thinking about that question of what does it mean to be a man? For me to answer that, honestly, I'll say that as a man, I have many flaws, many things that I struggle with and things that I'm working on. And I just want to ask you, you know, with all the work that you've done with men, what are the sort of reoccurring themes that you notice in our male collective? That's a great question. And it's a question that keeps getting asked and a question that we keep getting answers to with every circle that we do. So the answers, a couple answers to that question are not enoughness, lack of purpose, lack of direction, and the probably the most common one would would have to be I can't get out of my headness, right? And we talk we talk about these things as like recurring things or recurring things that we've seen, you know, speaking and working with thousands of men at this point, you know, over the past like year and year and a half, really. It's actually been longer than that. I started a before Man Tribe. I had a men's group on on Facebook where I asked a lot of these questions, like, "What is your biggest ob- obstacle, or what is your biggest challenge as a man that you face today?" And a lot of the men would say, "I can't get out of my own way," 
and I can't get uh, out, I can't escape the thoughts that go through my head. Some of these men have tried meditation and failed. Some of these men have never meditated before, and they're trapped in a lot of ways by their thoughts and by their minds, and they need direction as far as pathways or perspectives that can be offered to them or practices or disciplines or ways that can be offered to them to connect with their spirit or to connect with, uh, let's call it source energy. Let's call it um, the place inside them that is free, that can speak to them or guide them and, and not be a torturous place or not be a dark place. Um, because a lot of those voices that they might be hearing are not their voice. Their voices from their parents, their voices from their coworkers, their voices from society. And the other thing that I mentioned, not enoughness, comes from that also. We're in a society, we're in a world where we're conditioned to feel like we're not enough. Why? So we can buy more stuff, right? Because that's the whole point, right? Make these people feel like they're not enough so we can sell this to them and we can sell that to them and we can, they're the best consumers ever when they're not feeling like enough, right? So there is sort of this, this mental war that is going on inside each and every one of us. And there's a lot of factors and a lot of influences out there in the mainstream media, on the billboards, on the highway, at the airports, pretty much everywhere we go in public, unless we're in our own home where we really control our own environment, we are bombarded with programming. And most of that programming will make us feel like there's something out there that we need to have and that if we don't have it, that we're not good enough. So it's only natural that these things come up in circle and these things come up for the men that are here because I've experienced that. I'm sure you've experienced part of that in your journey. And we're all human beings. We're all men. And we're all subject to the same sort of uh, threats. Let's just call them threats because I do believe that they are threats, right? And if we're not in control, if our divine masculine is not fully empowered and we don't know who we are, those threats are going to get under our skin and they're going to affect us and they're going to keep us from meditating or they're going to keep us from really cultivating that discipline that we need to cultivate, right? So that's kind of where these practices that we do at Man Tribe come in. They come into the picture in order to clear our minds, in order to focus our energy, whether it's martial arts, qigong, whether it's getting in the ice bath, breath work, just calm, centering breaths, speaking to each other calmly. Right? There's also this sort of energy that's created when we're in circle together. Some of us are feeling like tens. You know, we're feeling great. We had a great week. Some other brothers are feeling like crap. You know, so one of the things that we do is we check in on the circle in the beginning and at the end and at the middle too to see where everyone is at. Like, how was your week, bro? You know, I'm checking in on a four. It was, uh, I've had better weeks, man. It was a rough week. Some guys get fired. They come to circle. Some guys uh, are look hate their job, 
and they're checking in at a two or a three. Some guys are unhappy in their marriage or just got out of a fight with their partner. So we keep it real, man. You know, we keep it real. Where's everybody at? And then they might be next to a brother who's a 10. And let me tell you, that brother who comes who's a three or a four, and he's surrounded by a guy who's an eight and a guy who's a 10, he's probably going to leave like a six, five or a six at the least. Some, some groups, we get everybody to a 10. And uh, that's just the level of brotherhood and the level of support that we offer the brothers that come to our circles. So, so going back to your question, man, guys come in here with all sorts of stuff, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts. Um, I've experienced all that myself in my healing journey. Like I'm just like a lot of the men out there. I see myself in every man that comes to my circle, right? So these brothers are me and I am these brothers because we've been through a lot of the same stuff. We're humans navigating the same world. You know, we might be different ages or I might have blonde hair and he has brown hair or skin color might be different. But really, at the end of the day, we're kind of all on the same team and we all want to be, you know, men of purpose on this planet doing good work. And that's what brings us together. Wow, bro. That's really just deeply beautiful words that you're sharing with me and I'm so inspired by what you're sharing with me because um, I feel like this is just part of myself, you know, that I feel this man tribe calling me, you know, and um, it's just the kind of support that I feel like I've needed throughout my life growing up. I feel like as men, you know, we hold a lot in, you know, it's, it's sort of a commonplace in our culture to just, you know, how are you doing? Yeah, doing good, you know. Yeah, what are you up to? You know, ah, just hanging out, watching the game or something like that. My favorite one is, oh, it's not that bad. Yeah, or or fine, you know. And so, you know, I think it's really powerful thinking about this circle that you're talking about where, yeah, some guys might be a 2 on the scale. They might be feeling real low. Some guys might be a 10, right? But no matter how you're feeling and no matter what you're going through, you're still a part of the circle, and we respect each other equally in that circle no matter where you're at. And it's really wonderful to just be able to get this stuff off your chest and share it with your brothers like that. So uh, really beautiful work. And I just want to, like, maybe think about the people that might be listening right now, you know, the men who are listening to this podcast. I want to invite you men into this circle right now, into the man tribe, you know. And whatever you're going through, I think, Alexander, you mentioned a lot of these really um, common themes, you know, that a lot of men go through. And so for the men that are listening out there right now, you know, what's a good place to start as a man to do reflective work, to do self-improvement work, you know, get out of that place of being stuck, to get out of that sense of feeling like we're not good enough. What could you say to those men out there? You know, we just invited them into their into this circle. Welcome to the man tribe. What can we tell these brothers at home that might be listening right now? One thing I like to do is a self-love practice and a fear scan. What's a fear scan? Sometimes I say we let's do let's do something that makes us happy first before we do the fear scan because then we can approach our fears from a place where we're not going to freak out or be like scared of them because sometimes it's uh, difficult places to go. You can ask questions. Self-inquiry is a powerful, powerful practice. The first question might be, what do I love? What do I love to do? I love to sing. Okay. 
I'm going to sing a song. I'm going to sing the song that my mom sang to me. I'm going to sing a song. It could be your favorite hip-hop rap song on the radio. Just sing, sing whatever song you love or play whatever song you love and uh, just rock and roll. You know, do something that makes you a little happy. And then, you know, after that song, you know, maybe start with the question, uh, what do I fear? What scares me? What am I afraid of? And you don't have to you don't have to list every single one of your fears. I mean, that's an, a pretty a pretty intense thing to thing to do. But let's just start with one. Right? So, my my uh some people I know are scared of the cold. Some people I know are scared of heights. Some people I know are scared to get in the ice bath. Some guys I know are scared to get in the cold shower. Does getting in a cold shower scare you? Are you used to getting in just warm showers? Do the warm showers feel really, really comforting and nice? What would happen if you turn the knob and you put that water on the coldest possible water? It can go for a couple of minutes. Would you be able to experience that discomfort? Would you be able to experience breathing through that? The answer is most likely yes. It's really a question of does your mind want to experience it? right? So where can guys start? I would say there's an easy example, you know, if you have a shower, if you have a home and you have a bathtub and a shower, there's probably cold water coming out of it. You might not have hot water, but you definitely got cold water. So I would say everybody can pretty much start with a cold shower. If that scares you, jump right in. If you don't want to do that and you're curling up in a ball, and you're experiencing something called apathy, which would I, I would call a one on the scale of a one or a zero on the scale of one to ten. Apathy might be the scariest, most fearful emotion that the human being can experience because it's it's even below anger because there's no action happening. It's it's full on stagnation, and and that's where you know suicide becomes an option. That's where the lowest of the low. So if you're experiencing apathy, call somebody you know, right? Call somebody who's going to motivate you to get off the couch and stop eating that pint of ice cream or whatever it might be. So if you're experiencing that level of pain, right? The first thing you can do is identify. The first thing that you can do for any of the, any of, any of the brothers out there is identify exactly where you're at on the scale. I feel like this. If 10 is is being on top of Mount Bliss and 0 is being in the in the shitter, I'm a straight up 4 right now. Having that authenticity with thyself, right? Getting real with ourselves is number 1. You have to do that. Then you can start to say, "Okay, what do I love? What do I fear?" You know, and you can start to work with yourself. But I really believe we need support. We knew, we need brothers that are also on the same trajectory. Your friends can be eights or nines or tens. As long as they're on the same trajectory, they don't have to also be in the, in the same place. And that's what our friends do, right? They, they lift us up, the real friends. They lift us up when we're feeling blue. And uh, that is beautiful. And it's kind of like, you know, if your friend is going through it, what do you do? You talk to them. You help them out. You lift them up. You're kind of building karma, and you know that whenever you're feeling blue and, and you need that call and you need that support, that your brother's going to be there for you. So giving is another thing that we can do to raise our vibration. 
right? You might think that you don't have the capacity to give anything because you're so low. Well, you have a mouth, you have eyes, you have two legs, most of us. You got arms, you got hands. You have a lot, and you live in the richest country in the world. It's going through a lot right now, too, but still, you have a lot of things going for it and a lot to be grateful for. So get grateful for something and find something to give because if you look, if you look for it, you'll find it. And, you know, a lot of these motivational speakers or influential people have told a very similar story of being on their last dollar and giving it away and being okay with that, you know, and, and that's what we learn is that giving away our last dollar does not mean we're broken. Mm -hmm. Giving away our last possession even, as someone who pretty much gave up all his possessions, myself, when I left New York, I still had me. And I, I was able to acquire things back into my life. I was able to call back in pretty much whatever I wanted into my life because I was reconnecting to myself, reconnecting to my inner child, reconnecting to who I was, which was more important to me than any possession or any material item that I had accumulated. And I had accumulated some pretty nice ones. And uh, it didn't matter because I didn't accumulate enough self-love in that process. Most of my 20s, you know, doing work that wasn't really aligned for me, but also perfectly imperfect perfectly part of my journey in order for me to experience and grow in the ways that I have. I had to experience material abundance and, and I, I, you know, enough material abundance to realize that I was unhappy. That's all, that's all I needed in my journey to, to essentially make the shift and to start to seek something deeper. I really love your perspectives on things. You know, I really love the way that you think and I'm just so curious to hear more of your perspective and what you think. I'm like, I just want to pick your brain right now, you know, because it's really beautiful. Well, I want to say to the brothers at home, how would you live your life if you didn't have any fear? What would you do if you weren't afraid? Do we let our lives be guided by love or do we follow our fears, you know? So um, I'm wondering, you know, what do you think about... Um, um, a man's spiritual practice. Do you think that a man needs to have a spiritual practice? Does a man need to believe in God? What do you think about that? Well, I love, I, I just want to reflect on what you said about um, what would you do if you were living your life with no fear? I love that prompt. Just something to just add to it would be what would you do if time and money were not an issue? Can you even imagine that? What would that look like? And that right there is a spiritual question in nature because, you know, you, you take away fear, you take away, you know, our time constraints or our perceived construction of time that we all sort of agree to. Hey, John, I'll meet you at 9 a.m. at the coffee shop. We kind of agree to what 9 a.m. is and we agree to like being there within like five minutes of 9 a.m. or else I'm like, dude, you're late. What does that even mean? Right. Like, OK, so. When you take away all of that, you know, when you take away all of these things that we've been taught to believe in and taught to think and take away a lot of the organized religion that many of us have maybe grew up with as, as, as kids or 
adopted because of our parents' religion, right? But not ask, not really understanding what it means to be spiritual in one's own right. And that's something I've, I've learned, and I kind of learned it the hard way. I learned it by going to church as a child and hating it, not feeling good there, not feeling empowered, really, not making sense to me, finding it very boring, and then being pretty much turned away from religion at a very young age, which caused me to go in the other direction of, I guess you could say, sort of an atheism path of not believing in God, because every example that I had seen of God was not the real deal for me. So, you know, being from the Bronx, it was like, you're either the real deal or you're not. And if you're not, I don't got time for it, right? So it was kind of like that in my decision-making process for most of my life. I didn't really trust too many people because a lot of people had said, you know, a lot of people had these ulterior motives or had some sort of agenda, including the churches that I had attended or including the people that I had worked for. Everybody wanted something from me and I wasn't getting that authenticity that I was really asking for in my life. And I wasn't getting it for myself because not too many people around me um, were leading by example. So I basically, in order to protect myself, I basically said, well, since there's no God, I'm just going to get mines. I'm going to do me, you know, and a lot of that mentality is present in our culture today. It's present in the hip hop culture. It's present in a lot of the the pop culture, money, cars, clothes, hottest chick in the club, blah, 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 blah. Right. So, yeah, yeah. Get yours, you know, and then and then once you get all that stuff, you know, check in with yourself. Are you happy yet? Right. So for me, I, I kind of went down that path and, you know, I did everything the hip hop songs told me to do because I really liked hip hop and I idolized, you know, making money and spending it. That was cool to me. So I did a lot of that and I realized I was dying inside and there was a deeper purpose for myself there was a deeper purpose for why I'm on this planet and that's when my spiritual path began and it began with a near-death experience and that's when I realized that my life can be taken away at any time and when I had experienced my near-death experience after a night of intense partying and then going to work out in the gym next the next day like an idiot after having all these things in my system I completely blacked out my heart stopped for a little bit. I experienced AFib, arterial fibrillation. I was unconscious. It, you know, it was, I think, a combination of blacking out and arterial fibrillation. I didn't go to the hospital that day, but uh, I was out for the count for about a minute. And the personal trainer, like, patted me on the shoulder, threw some water on my face, and then I woke back up. But I had a, a spiritual experience that day. And that's when I knew that there was something way bigger than me. And there was a reason that I was here and it wasn't for the money, cars, clothes, and spending money. There was something much deeper. And that's when I started to ask deeper questions. And once I started to ask deeper questions, I got to experience things like sacred plant medicine, started going on yoga retreats, started actually meditating because that space that I experienced when I died 
for that short period of time was meditation. That space was my safe space that I had never experienced because no one ever taught me how to get there. After almost dying, I found what I was looking for. Oh. All right, bro. So here's what I want to know, right? So what's up with this ice bath? I really want to know about this ice bath, man, because this just is like a wild thing. And um, I'm really looking forward to experiencing it. Yes, I'm scared of it. And I'm also excited about it. Just tell me, man, what's this ice bath thing all about? What are the benefits? Why do you guys do this? So if you think about the world as we know it, you know, our existence here on planet Earth, you know, you, you can go down to the Bahamas and it's nice and warm and comfortable down there. You can go up to the, uh, the Arctic Circle. It's really cold up there. And you think about things that could be the most painful or the most uncomfortable, you know, in this human existence that, that we're living right now. And being in ice water is probably at the top of the list as one of the most un- uncomfortable things that you could possibly do. It makes a lot of people really, really uncomfortable. There are people that get in there and they jump right out, including my wife. But she's got back in time and time again, and now she can stay in a couple minutes. <laughs> but uh, what we find is that it's counterintuitive. Why most people, if they're thinking with their logical minds, why would you ever do that? You guys are crazy. What are you doing? I don't get it. The list goes on of the critics. Until you've done it, until you've experienced and and you can be comfortable amidst the discomfort. And for those of you who don't have a tub of ice water or have difficulty creating a tub of ice water in your life, start with the cold shower. See how long you can spend in there. A couple minutes is a good start. You know, if, if, if y'all really care about looking good, one of the secrets of Paul Newman when he, was a, when he was an actor, famous actor, was he would put his face in ice water, in a, a tub of ice water, for as long as he could, for a couple minutes, uh, before he would go on camera. And it would sort of freeze the skin. It would tighten all of his skin, and he would look younger on camera. So his skin would come out with this glow, this healthy like glow of vibrancy and blood flow and tightness. And he wouldn't do Botox or anything. He didn't need it because he would just have this secret of dunking his head in ice water. So at the very least, if you want to look good, dunk your head in ice water. And you'll look better on camera. You'll look, you'll look younger if you're a model or an actor. But really the core of why we do this practice is to be comfortable in the uncomfortable. And when we can be comfortable in the uncomfortable, we become stronger at life. We can breathe deeper into our bodies because that's the main thing that the ice bath teaches us. We breathe deeper into the depths of our physical body. We expand our lung capacity with the breath work and we just become stronger human beings. And we we keep showing up to the ice for that reason to see where we're at, to see where our threshold might lie, to check in with ourselves. So maybe if it's your first time, we recommend two minutes. You'll reach a point where you're like, oh my God, you get in and the, and the immediate response is, oh my God, like, oh my God, I want to get out of here right now. That's what the body wants to do. That's what the mind wants to do. And then you have to 
somehow convince yourself to just stay in there. And after 10, 20, maybe 30 seconds, you have a choice. You can keep fighting it, which is the natural fight or flight response to keep fighting it. You'll lose (laughs) or you can just let go and you can actually take a deep breath and sigh (sighs) and surrender into the ice. And that's when you can actually, once you're in that space, you can spend, you can spend quite a while in there and experience the deep healing uh, and decrease of the body's inflammation. And cold thermogenesis is the scientific explanation of what happens in the body after about two minutes. There's a million things that happen. You guys can look all of them up. There are about three books written on this. Uh, Brown fat is stimulated. Mitochondrial function increases. Blood flow increases. so many things happen when you're in the ice bath and you're experiencing this. So, you know, with that being said, I can't wait to get your ass in there. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it, bro. One more fear to conquer. So, uh, Alexander, I just want to thank you for sharing these wonderful tools, uh, sharing these deep insights, you know, and these really beautiful reflections about what it means to be a man, what it means to be a part of a tribe. I want to just pass the mic back to you again for a moment and just uh, if there's anything that you want to share, if there's anything, any way for people to connect with you, anything that you want to plug, anyone you want to give a shout out to. Yeah, shout out to all the brothers at Man Tribe that keep showing up for themselves. Uh, check us out on Instagram. We're man.tribe. My name is Alexander Hill, alexander.e.hill on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook with that name, Alexander Hill. And our website is mantribe.me. Aho. Uh-huh. Well, you can reach out to Alexander if you're interested in checking out the Man Tribe. Maybe we'll get you out in uh, New York again and we can uh, get some of those brothers back on the East Coast to jump in that ice bath with us and share some of those deep things that are going on inside of us men. So thank you all for listening to the Permajam Regenerative Culture Podcast. We're going to keep coming back to you with uh, more amazing guests talking about regenerative ways of living, walking this beautiful, humble, regenerative path on Mother Earth. So thank you and blessings. Aho. Aho.